You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. You know, there's a couple other, th- oh gosh, I had one uh, one question on the tip of my tongue and I've already forgot it as you were going into it, but... Uh, Brandon Jaggers. I guess uh, when, oh gosh, Craig Allen, you got any more? Because I, I forgot it and it's <laughs> so good. And me, CC brought us. A Wisconsin woman has murdered her boyfriend while they were having a meth-fueled sex party. Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you? I am fine, and we are inching closer to that magic 100th podcast. Uh, that's amazing, isn't it? Have we been doing it that long? It's, Absolutely. It's, well, just looking it up today, uh, do you know who the 95th Kentucky Derby winner was? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me see. 95. If, uh, so 100 would have been Cannonero, right? So I'm going to say. Mm, close. Uh, no, that would be the, Can- the seven. It does Commander. No, no, hang Cannonade. on. Cannonade was. Cannonade, that's what I meant to say. Right. So I'm going to say Cowie King. Uh, no, a little bit later than that. Uh, Desert. Uh, not Northern Dan. Uh, uh, mm. How I figured it out was uh, like Cannonade was 74. So that was a, uh, 100. Secretary, counting backwards, Secretary. Forward pass. Forward pass. River Ridge. River Ridge. 90, or excuse me, yeah, River Ridge was 98. Dust Commander, excuse me, Cannon Arrow second, then Dust Commander, and then 95 was Majestic Prince. Majestic Prince. Uh, That's 69, is that, or what year is it? 69 was Majestic Hmm. Prince. That was number 95. This is episode number 95 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Brandon Jaggers. Is not with us. He's on a one-week suspension. Uh, we're blaming him for the uh, the whole grinding in- incident with the Jason Beam podcast last week. So he's uh, he's out this <laughs> week. But hopefully, we'll have him back a week after that. But uh, he's our majestic prince, isn't he? Absolutely. He's what I would call dreamy. <laughs> That's the word that comes to mind. But uh, Alan, quickly before we get to, uh, to to racing, the news of the day. I think this is breaking news. In the world of uh, postal delivery, California is investigating a Sacramento mail carrier for killing a massive turkey that attacked him. Oh, uh, yeah, n- not a lot of details yet, but uh, a Northern California mailman beat a turkey to death while on his delivery route, but claimed he was only trying to defend himself against the giant bird. Uh, the unidentified letter carrier was making deliveries Monday in the in the East Sacramento suburb of Arden Arcade. The neighborhood where he was working had been a hub of turkey activity, gang a gang presence of turkeys, and there's been uh, aggression against the residents. Uh, so so we hear. But uh, Alan, my question to you is, uh, uh, in light of this, what is your favorite type of bourbon as uh, wild turkey is produced uh, not too far from here? Oh, I I don't know where you're going when you throw me these these curveballs. So I come up on the spot, and anybody that's listening to this pod knows I'm not the biggest bourbon drinker. 
So let me say Knob Creek because that's the first one I can think of. Can I just go with that? Double barrel, single batch, oak wood treated. Does any of that sound right? Hey, whatever you say, pal. I don't know. I, I don't I'm not, care I, 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 I like I like Crown Royal. Like, oh, that's not really a bourbon. That's a, more of a whiskey. But I like Crown and Coke. I like it a little bourbon, whatever. But I, I don't pretend to know. Do I run out by seventy five dollar bottles? No. I mean, you know, if someone gives me some, I'll drink it. You know, I got nothing against. It, but I'm not. I don't pretend to be a bourbon connoisseur. I think that's kind of like a cliche thing here in Kentucky that we have to know bourbon, or if you're in a horse racing, that you have to love bourbon, even though some people don't. I mean, I've got nothing against it, but you know, uh, I like a cold Miller Lite or a nice Sam Adams. I'll tell you that. Uh, Alan is. We're going to have a theme on this show this afternoon. Uh, Kentucky Derby is less than two months away, and we're going to have our friend J.J. Hysell on to uh, to drop us some knowledge on the uh, Kentucky Derby contenders, and we're going to learn a little bit more about uh, who we need to keep our eye on going forward. Uh, same with the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, uh, like I said, those, those, those giant races are now less than two months away. Yeah, is uh, again – We've had JJ on several times. JJ's as good as it gets. I mean, we just sit back and let her go. We learn from JJ, right? You can't say that with everybody. We learn a lot from JJ. Well, yeah, she's definitely going to smarten up two dummies. <laughs> you uh, got that right. This evening. But uh, uh, sad news to report. Uh, Gopher Jen, who won the 1991 Kentucky Derby, passed away. He was the oldest living Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, it, it, any chance you were at that derby? Nineteen, right? Is that right? Nineteen ninety-one. No, I. I tell you what, there was a. I, I remember betting that race. I remember the. You know, every year, especially more so as I was younger, you had a horse. There's a horse you settled on, right? It's not like these days where you get pick five, pick six, blah blah blah. People it almost almost waters down the derby to some extent with the. It's almost like gambling does with football. You know. It, there was, it felt like there was more of a sacred thing back with the Derby back then. Not that there's, a, there's not now. So I remember every horse that I selected back then. And I remember every Derby. And I remember, I think I was your Strode's Creek. I was behind Strode's Creek for Charlie Whittingham. He ran second. I think I was in a, I had a big second dietist role going for a while as a young man. And I did not see Gold for Jim winning that race. I remember that. It went straight to the front in the mud for Nick Zito. And I want to say Chris McCarron, right? Is that correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah, so it, it beat me that year. I had the utmost respect for the horse. It's one of those deals I overlooked him, but uh horse was much the best that day, and I was unaware that he was the oldest oldest uh, derby winner up until today. So sad right. news. Yeah, ironic. I was on Strode Creek as well. It just seemed fit fit the profile of a horse that was getting ready to win a Kentucky Derby. But, uh yeah, he ran a, ran a nice second for, for Whittingham and Stone Farm. But, uh yeah, Gopher Gin is gone, but uh, I think the oldest – Living Derby winner now is Grindstone. I, I don't know if that's true or not. It seems like he he may be on a farm somewhere up in Oregon. Caitlin, was, I know you're listening, so let us know if we're right about that. Is Grindstone the oldest living Derby winner? I know. Yeah. I know. She, that was the year I finally broke through. I think Sunday Silence was my first Derby winner. My second Derby winner was Grindstone. And I, I had, uh, we, we got something else in common because I believe my first Derby winner was in Sunday Silence as well too. And then I went back to back with the Unbridled, and Unbridled is one, one of the better calls of my young life. But uh, who else did you say you had as a young, as a youngster? Oh boy, uh, you, well Sunday Silence was first. I mean, it was like a seven year. I had Best Pal, and I had I Stroke bet Best Creed. Pal. Both were runner ups. 
uh, yeah, and then, then you know, to, to Grindstone. I know I had Silver Charm. I had the. I had Silver Charm. And I had yeah. Real Quiet. Real Quiet was a good one for me. Real Quiet. I didn't have that one. Uh, yeah, I think I went into a little slump there after that with Charismatic and 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 Fusaichi Pegasus, and I mean, just going on down the list. I, I yeah, I didn't I didn't do a very good job there for several years, but uh, but uh, yeah, if 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 you know this for for sure, I think Grindstone's still with us. So yeah, let us know about that. Okay, Alan. Now let's bring our guest on. I, I, we've talked in the past ad nauseum. We need to to build a, a tribute to our favorite guests. We need a, a, a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Michelle Lovell would would be uh, worthy of inclusion on the Mount Rushmore. Also, our next guest is is definitely worthy of inclusion. That's JJ Hysell. And JJ is going to join us. We're going to talk a lot about the uh, the Kentucky Derby that's uh, less than two months away. JJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Oh, we're absolutely fabulous. Uh, I got to be honest with you the the Derby Trail uh, it's it's it just seems a little different this year. Uh, the, not a real standout. There's some horses that are on the verge of, of standing out. Uh, JJ, what what I want to do tonight? Is go region by region, and we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk uh, some of the leaders uh, at at each uh, at each of the major tracks in the country, and then maybe we'll just sum it up here and, and talk about uh, what's what's ahead and 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 who you like and who who you're impressed by and all that. How, how about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I want to start in California. Uh, California. Uh, big, I'm sorry, Alan. Go ahead. No, I said, uh, California. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's Alan's opinion of California. There you yeah. go. Well, there was a, a big performance. The San Felipe Stakes was run on the Santa Anita Handicap Undercard on Saturday. And the horse's name is Forbidden Kingdom. It was a, an astonishing performance in my eyes. The horse just blew out of the gate and went wire to wire. It was almost California Chrome-esque, in my opinion. What? JJ, let's start with Forbidden Kingdom. Your thoughts on the San Felipe and that that giant victory? Yes, it was an incredible display. He's a son of American Pharaoh, so that uh, that gives you some indication of the frenzy that's surrounding him right now. And being owned by my racehorse group, uh, there's so much buzz about this horse, but he deserves it. Uh, he just demolished that field. I, it was evident to me after his San Vicente win that which he won in a very similar fashion that he was a supreme talent. I think most people, they were concerned about him stretching out, but my concern with him is he could be a one-dimensional colt. He has not proven yet that he can rate. And his jockey, Juan Hernandez, made an interesting comment after the San Felipe. He said, I let him run because if you fight with him, he just wants to go faster. And to me, that says a lot about what, Mm -hmm. what the result might be if he can't get the lead. I mean, he's never won on the lead. But then you factor into that, he's also had a lot of gait issues that, that, that Richard Mandela, the trainer, has had to work with. Um, in the Bob and the Speakeasy, he, he, both the races that he lost, uh, he accredited those to gait issues. He said he actually tore a piece of his foot off when he stumbled after the start of the Bob Hope, and then he had a quarter crack, which they had to wait uh, to, to fix up. Uh, he said he used to get a little antsy in the gait. But it seems like they've been working with him on that in the San Felipe. He didn't have the troubles that he'd had before. So if that's something that they can correct, then I, I, I think he's definitely a legitimate contender. He's supremely talented. He belongs at the top of the Derby rankings, I think. But questions do remain. I mean, the Derby is not going to be a straight shot out of the gate 
in, in, you know, six horse mm-hmm. fields. Um, some of the doubters are comparing him to Rock Your World. Is this Rock Your World 2.0? So I, I would say he, he belongs at, at the top. He belongs in the top three for sure, just because of the talent that he's shown. But if he doesn't show me he can rate, there's going to be that question of in the derby field, how is he going to handle that? Well, there's a lot of speed. Looks like it's going to be signed on this year. That's 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 something we're going to have to address in the coming weeks because there's a lot of horses that want to be on the lead. Uh, that that Forbidden Kingdom story number one in California story, well, probably story number one A is going to be all the Baffert horses that uh, we're going to have to figure out what's going to happen with them. Uh, first of all, uh, JJ uh, Corniche, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and the two-year-old champion, has not had a workout uh, this year, to my knowledge. Uh, and uh, we've heard a little buzz that maybe there's something, something's amiss and he may be going to breeding shed soon. But uh, the Baffert has a couple other interesting uh, prospects. Uh, the one that was uh, Messier, the one that Robert Lewis impressively, I think he won that by double digits. Uh, Messier and, and of course, a horse, Newgrange. Newgrange uh, bombed out, though, in the uh, the Rebel Stakes a few weeks ago. But, uh, JJ, you got any sense of where these uh, Baffert horses are going to wind up? Are they going to stick with Baffert and just miss the Triple Crown altogether? They're, they're going to uh, disperse across the country, go to the major trainers, and then try to get uh, earn some points uh, in in these uh, later uh, prep races. What's your sense yeah. on this? This is the big elephant in the room, and it's it's actually affected a lot of the future wager betting because. We don't know what's going to happen. If, if these horses were to be transferred and then win and, and garner points, you're making, we're making future wagers on the, on these derby future wagers based on the fact that we don't think Baffert horses are going to run, but then what if they do? So it's, I have not bet nearly as much as I normally do on the future wagers because of that this year. This big question mark that has been looming really is affecting people's thoughts about who is going to be the, the big contender. Uh, I think Newgrange exposed himself as being distance challenged uh, out at Oaklawn. I don't see him as being a, a top derby contender. I, I do think he's very talented, but probably not a, a, a longer distance horse. Uh, Corniche, you're right about Corniche. It's, it's, I think it's too late for him to make the derby, even if he gets back on the work tab. I think it would be very difficult for him to go through the prep, uh, win a major prep, get the points, uh, switch, tra- you know, switch trainers, get the points. I think it would be too much to ask. The horse in question is definitely Messier. If he, if he were to run in the Derby, he would be my top pick right now. He, he would be number one. I, I think he is the best three-year-old in the country. However, there is talk with him being an Ontario bred that he could go the Canadian Triple Crown route and he could go up there and, and try that. So we don't know at this point, will he be transferred to another trainer or will he try the Canadian Triple Crown. That's the big question, and it, it's hard to make your your Derby list because to me he would be number one if he ran in the Derby, even if he switched to to another trainer. As long as it was a an established trainer, which I'm sure it would be, uh, he he would be lights out the favorite. Yeah, uh, the other horse I wanted to ask you about was the runner up to to Forbidden uh, uh, Kingdom. That's uh, his name escaped me again, but. Uh, <laughs> The Baffert horse, Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Oh, Doppelganger. Ran, I thought he ran a really nice race in defeat. He had no chance to catch Forbidden Kingdom. You looked at the race the same way I did, that uh, you know the horse may be, may be a little bit underrated coming out of that race. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think nobody, obviously nobody was going to beat Forbidden Kingdom. But, but if, if, if Doppelganger were to run another race that, that didn't have Forbidden Kingdom, I mean, he, he would obviously be one of the top favorite horses. I, I think he's also one of the, probably one of the, one of the most emerging horses in the country right now. And, and we're asking ourselves, where are they going to go? Will they be transferred? Because the decisions have to be made now. This is a time where if, if they're going to move, they got to move now because they, they've got to get the points to get in. And there's only so many preps left. I mean, we're already to almost the middle of March. So I, I'm, I'm leaning towards thinking that a lot of these owners are may may be taking a stand and not transferring. That was my next question. Do you, do you know exactly what the rule is? Do the horses have to be transferred out a certain number of days prior to a prep? Or do you, do you know that right off right off hand? Uh, I'm not for sure. I, I I think though that they have to be transferred. They they oh days before yeah. I, I'm not sure if there's a time frame. I know they they do have to be transferred before they run to get the points. They can't be transferred after the points. But right. but yeah, as far as the as far as the time frame, I'm not sure of that. I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't think that would matter as long as they're entered under another trainer and not not Bob. I, right. I think that would probably work out. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the Midwest. We'll just lump Louisiana and, and Arkansas in together. Uh, Louisiana Derby is coming up here on March 26th. So about two weeks away. And it looks like the star in Louisiana is epicenter from the Steve Asmussen barn for, uh, for the Winchells. And I think that that group is definitely worthy of a Kentucky Derby victory. They've, they've been around a long time, had a lot, a lot of nice horses, but, uh, this is uh, that's a goal that's eluded them so far. Uh, Epicenter is probably going to be the favorite in Louisiana Derby, I would assume. Uh, any anything else in that uh, in that area of the of the country that uh, strikes your fancy? Yeah, I, I like that race. That was really an impressive run by, by Epicenter and the Risen Star. I mean, to go wire to wire almost at a mile and eight finish. He finished from 149.03, which is racehorse time. Uh, there's a lot of upside with him as he you know he broke his maiden at Churchill Downs. I noticed that since Rosario got on board in the Lecomte, they've had him on the lead, but he has one from off the pace. So he's not necessarily a need-the-lead type, but it tells me that that could be his biggest advantage, which is why they're they're running him this way. Um, I really like Smile Happy, McPeak Smile Happy. He was far back early. He was eighth in the field of ten. He ran into some traffic trouble that impeded his late rally. But if you watch the replay, you'll see he was doing his best running late. And uh, I mean, considering it, it was his race off the layoff, and you know, it was a it was a sharp performance. I think he's a legitimate player who who should like the the longer distances. I, I'm thinking that he might be uh, McPeak's top Derby candidate at this point. Um, another horse out of that race to watch for is Zandon for Chad Brown. Uh, he was the wise guy choice going into the race. Everybody was on to Zandon, uh, but he had a terrible trip. He was left behind at the start. He hopped in the air just as the gate opened. And then Jose Ortiz had to rush him up to get him back into contention so he wouldn't be out of the race. At one point, he was five wide, just extremely wide, and still managed to, to finish third. I think he's a colt that's, that's still growing, but his most appealing quality is that he's overcome adversity in all of his starts. And he's not the type who would be intimidated in a large derby field. You remember, he battled Mo Donegal in the Remsen under Johnny V in a big battle. So th- this is a horse that battle-tested. And uh, I, I think he's one to watch Watch coming out of that race. I, I don't see any beyond the top three. 
that would be worth uh, tabbing for de- for derby aspirations. Der- derby, excuse me, derby aspirations. Uh, slow down, Andy might have been hampered by his outside post, but he really didn't display much of a late kick. Um, I think Papa Cap, who who broke from the rail, uh, I think he's leveled off as of late, um, and I think he could be distance challenged. I think he might be a really good sprinter type. Um, but I, I think so far those are the t- those are the three those three from that race that I would watch. Going back to can I interrupt just for a moment. Sure. Uh, Call me midnight. We're forgetting about the Lecompte winner. And my thing with Call Me Midnight is now you know it's it, it, that horse may not be able to translate that late run to, to Derby time or even in Louisiana Derby, but I have been impressed with that horse's turn of foot back last uh, fall at Churchill, and then of course that prolonged turn of foot down that long Louisiana uh, Derby's uh, fairground stretch in the Lecompte. That horse has a quick turn of foot. And they know when to turn it on and turn it off. And that, sometimes that won't uh, negotiate uh, to a mile and a quarter. What do you think of Call Me Midnight? We have a tendency to forget about the horse because he skipped the Risen Star. Right. Yeah, that, that was interesting. The way he caught Epicenter in the Lecomte, he caught him late. Um, yeah. He's he's a really tough horse to gauge, and I'm with you on that. He could go either way. I mean, you look at his pedigrees, by Midnight Loot out of a first defense mare. I mean, his his pedigree doesn't scream, you know, this is a mile and a quarter horse. But you look at his running style. He, he can come from off the pace. He, he can be in the middle. He's he's very versatile. His his you, you mentioned that that kick. He's he's got you know, people who use uh, Brisnet products will see his late pace figures are very high. Yeah. So this is a horse. He's he's running well later stages in the race, which which like you said is something that you want to see. Um, I have not figured out. Call me midnight yet. I, I after watching Lecompte, I thought it was kind of a fluke. I thought Epicenter was just caught. Because he was coming off the layoff, you know, and and I, I thought, well, Epicenter's the better horse, but it's really hard to tell. He's also Good. very experienced. He's run seven times, and he's he's never really run a bad race, um, except for one of the maiden races at Churchill Downs where he had a really bad start. So it's it's he's really a tough call. It, well, with closers, lots of times uh, there's this notion that you know they find the distance that they're right. Well, they have, they still have that turn of foot. A mile and a quarter, a lot of times will dull that turn of foot, right? And right. so I'm a little torn on him as well, too. He may be the tip, prototypical mile of 16th, get that, like a mile turf horse, has that kick. But that kick is legit. Uh, well, whether it will translate to a more paceless race, I don't know. But I do think we may be forgetting about Kent Sormo's charge a little bit. But we'll see the Louisiana Derby. Uh, going back to Smile Happy, uh, Corey Landry wrote Smile Happy in the uh, Risen Star. Is there any chatter about – uh, McPeak taking him off that that horse, maybe replacing him with his. I think B.J. B. Hernandez is really his uh, his his uh, mm-hmm. go to rider. Is it was has there been any talk about uh, Hernandez going to uh, Smile Happy? Yeah, I haven't heard any. I haven't heard any news about the jockey switches. McPeak's got a lot to juggle on his hands. You know, he's he's yeah. got to figure out who's going to ride which horse because you know he he still has rattle and roll on the trail and. And so he's figuring out who's going to go where. I, but I have not heard about any changes for Smile Happy. I, Smile Happy is is very well regarded at this point by them. I know that he's he's kind of emerged. I think uh, McPeak realizes that I think this is this is going to be his best his best chance. Yeah, I agree. Right. Let's go up the road to Oakland now. The to my in my opinion, the Arkansas preps have been slightly disappointing thus far. The uh, the Rebel Stakes was won by an upsetter, Unoho, uh, but there was a couple in there that, that I think might have, uh, you know, uh, 
some uh, interesting uh, prospects going forward. And and the one uh, I think I'm interested in the most is from the Lucas Barn, the Ethereal Road, who suffered a wide trip in the Rebel, but he he did hold on for second place. Uh, that was his first attempt at a stakes. And the third place finisher is Barber Road from the John Ortiz Barn, who I believe had some traffic trouble as well. Those two. Finished okay in that spot. I, I, I think I like Ethereal Road better coming out of the race just because of the wide trip. But uh, any, any thoughts on the uh, the Arkansas path to the Derby? Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I would rank Arkansas the lowest of of the the, the lowest of all the regions. Uh, th- these races have just been so bizarre as far as the results and uh, so many different changes that have occurred in these races. Uh, what an odd race for Unoho. Uh, he's a one-eyed horse who lost his left eye. Um, I, I really liked Unoho in the Withers, actually. He was a he was a big price in the Withers and ran for second. And and I didn't understand why he was such a big price. I mean, I thought he was a, a really nice horse in New York, but I never thought of him as a derby contender. Um, then, then after this race, you know, you're looking at him like, this is an interesting horse. He's a New York-bred gelding. He, he looked beat inside in the Rebel as that flurry of horses came running on the outside. Mm-hmm. We thought he was done. Then suddenly he gets the second wind and he re-breaks the win. And uh, that that was just a, a really interesting move that he made. I thought he had tired out. Um, as we said, New, we all thought that Newbridge was going to be the one to beat in this race. I think he exposed himself as being distance challenged. Um, I know you like Eth- Ethereal Road. He, he did have a very wide trip, and I know Lucas is very high on him. Uh, the one runner that I like from the race is, is Barber Road, uh, by race day. Uh, he was sorted on, on a late rally when he ran into some traffic and then he unleashed a burst of speed right at the wire. He's raced seven times at four different tracks and he's always been in the thick of it in every race. He's, he's kind of a warrior. Um, he is on, I think he's a, he's 50 or one on the Derby futures as well, which I think is a little steep for even though Arkansas may be subpar. Uh, this could be an improving horse that could be one to watch out of this race. And let's go to New York real quick. There's a the, the Gotham Stakes was uh, the same weekend as the as the San Felipe and the Fountain of Youth, and is won by a colt named Morello. Looks like an exciting horse. Uh, this was a one turn mile. Morello, actually, I haven't seen this race yet, but uh, just just need to go back and watch it. But the uh, the analysis I've read is this horse, you know, looks like he's got a Got a bright future as well. Can Morello, can this horse stretch out though? This was a one turn mile. Sometimes these horses don't, uh, they, they can't stretch out. Uh, you know, two turns, it finds it, you know, too much sometimes. Yeah, that, that's the big question everybody's asking about Morello. He's by Classic Empire. He's got a great pedigree and he's trained by Steve Asmussen. Uh, it's interesting, you know, New York gets knocked so much on the Derby Trail. I mean, people love to knock the New York horses. But it, it's it's time to be careful with that. You know, this this is a Steve Asmussen son of Classic Empire. This this you know this is a horse that he's legitimate. Um, he's a very interesting horse actually. When you look at the Gotham, other than a bumpy start that impacted Rockefeller, who finished last, um, it, it pretty much played out as we expected. Morello he executed the perfect stalking trip behind Dean's list, and then he made this power move in the stretch to be much the best. That was very impressive uh, for this Colt. Who's, he's now undefeated in three starts. But as you said, it's just a one-turn mile, so we still have the question about two turns. Uh, the time, I thought, was really slow, 139-28. But I, I wouldn't discount him just because of the New York circuit. And it's interesting, too, because 
he got he got some high speed figures despite that slow time. A, a lot of the speed figure handicappers uh, they like this horse, and uh, he has a stalking style too that would be perfect for the way the Derby is shaping up. As you said, there's a lot of front running speed that's signing on for this race if they make the field and stay healthy. Uh, this is the type of horse who could get a perfect stalking trip in the Derby. Um, if you use Brisnet. Uh, products. He's the first in prime power ratings among all the Derby future wager options. Really? Yeah, which I found very interesting. So I, I think he's one to watch moving forward. I, I, I would not discount him just because it's New York or because of the time. You know, Aqueduct, it seems like they always produce slow times at Aqueduct. Yeah. It, it may just be a slow track. And as far as Dean's List goes, uh, I think Dean's List is very talented. I don't see him as a mile and a quarter horse. I do think this is a horse to watch later in the season, though, for middle distance races, particularly maybe at Saratoga. He's a, he's a talented horse, just maybe not a Derby horse. Now, another horse that we need to touch on from New York is Early Voting. It's a son of Gunrunner. This horse is definitely bred to go a mile and a quarter from the Chad Brown barn. He won the Wither Stakes at nine furlongs, wire to wire. I think this horse has some upside. I, I assume we're going to see him next in the Wood Memorial. <laughs> Yeah, early voting, like you said, the pedigree is is the key there, and it's it is because it's hard to gauge when you have these races at Aqueduct in the slop. You know, how do you determine when they win wire to wire in the slop? Um, is it a legitimate win or not? He's very lightly raced, so it's it's really hard to gauge with him. I, I think he's definitely one to watch, but he's he's another one of these early speed horses. You know, what what's going to happen if he tries to rate? We don't know. And he's so lightly raced. But based on pedigree, you can't discount him. Okay, and finally, we'll uh, we'll end up in Florida. And it seems like a lot of action down here in Florida. Of course, they ran the Fountain of Youth over the weekend, uh, a real rodeo of a race. But that was hmm. won by Simplification, who who I thought kind of covered up or, or buried a little bit was the fact that that horse was really like maybe six wide coming around the turn. And, uh, you know, he won fairly comfortably two or three lengths. Uh, this horse, he's but not this time, uh, up and coming sire, a horse that was trained by Dale Romans back in the day. But, uh, what about, uh, simplification? Uh, the same connections that, uh, what was the horse that, uh, Antonio Sano had uh, a few years ago? He was, uh, Gunavera. Gunavera. Yeah. Gunavera. They have the same connections that brought us Gunavera. What's your thoughts on simplification? Yeah, he, he, he's been asked a lot about comparing him to Gunavera, and I think he says this horse has more dimensions than Gunavera did. So he seems to think, I think, that maybe this might be a, a better chance for him to, to win the Derby. Uh, the Fountain of Youth, what a, what, what a race. I mean, and I always say handicappers should proceed with caution when analyzing these type of races when you have these impactful incidents like you had the spill, yeah. uh, that, that involved in that race because there were some horses that were impacted. Um, when High Oak and Galt both both lost their riders, both Bill Mott horses were impacted. Um, Dale Roman said that Howling Time, who finished last, literally had to jump by one of one of the fallen horses. So there's no way to judge Howling Time based on that race. So you just have to put a line through it. Um, before the race, I tweeted about two long shots in that race. One is AP Secret, and another is O Captain. Um, I think AP Secret is very talented horse for Safi Joseph. He looked fantastic before the race. And he was very effective because he actually is the one who clipped heels with High Oak when High Oak was pushed out. And he was just making a rally when when that happened. And he ended up seventh. 
Um, it's interesting that Safi said he still believes in him and thinks that it impacted him, and he may be sent to the Wood Memorial for another chance at points. And I say watch out for AP Secret if he goes to the Wood Memorial. Um, I think, oh, Captain, if, I, if there was one thing I could take away from this past weekend of racing, it would be to watch oh, Captain for Gustavo Delgado, the son of Carpe Diem. He's an incredible specimen. He's very muscular, almost a curling type specimen. His debut last August was a monster performance. It was one of the best two-year-old debuts of the season at Goldstream. He had a bit of the setback in the fall, and he didn't return until January in the Lighthouse Stakes. And I think the reason why he was such a, a long shot, he was 87 to 1, which was absolutely ridiculous. But people were thrown because he was third in the Lighthouse. But it actually wasn't a bad race. If you watch the replay, coming off the layoff and coming off the setback, he, he didn't run that bad. Uh, he over in the in the fountain views he overcame a horrible outside post where he was last, and he had to run four ride most of the way. He had to go all the way around the trouble that happened, the spill. He had to go all the way around that, and then watch him rally for third. He's he's moving fantastic late in the race mm-hmm. to, to get third. Um, this is a type of horse that if he if he's able to make the Derby field, this is one of your superfecta horses. This is like a a Dallas Stewart forty one type light up the board horse. Um, as far as simplification goes, I admire how he's handled so much adversity. I mean, he's proven he can handle being put in any position on the track and still win. And he boasts an ability to switch gears on a dime. He's an athletic, agile type, and they often do do better than the larger one-pace type of horses in the Derby. His physical build definitely lends himself to to the type who would do well. But there's a troubling issue that he has where he continues to run on his left lead. All the way through the stretch and to the end, he was on his left lead. And that could be a problem. Is is he getting tired? Uh, what's going to happen when he gets to the Florida Derby? Is he showing a weakness here? Uh, that's something that really bothers me. It's something you don't like to see. Um, he's also raced solely at Gulfstream. He's never shipped out. So that's a question, too, about how's he going to handle the shipping. I, I think he's a legitimate talent, but... I'm I'm not on the simplification train just yet. I, I like others in Florida. I think Florida is a strong circuit, but I think it's because of other horses there. And I know uh, a lot of people were on to Todd Fletcher's Emmanuel, uh, the son of more than ready. He was all the rage coming into this race after that snazzy allowance win he had. He had a terrible trip. He was hampered by a bad start also, just like O'Captain. At one point, he was six wide. And then he was guided to the inside again to have to challenge simplification. So fourth place was not bad at all, considering the jumping class and all the adversity. Um, Todd Todd seemed very pleased. He said, I don't think it was a bad race at all, considering the break and all the ground he lost. And uh, Todd said he said the race was much better than it looks on paper. So I think Todd is going to consider keeping him on the trail. Uh, my only concern with him would be he has a middle distance pedigree by more mm-hmm. than ready. It yeah. lends itself to turf, too. He, this would be a great turf pedigree as well. So I don't know if he's a distance horse. And then also out of this race, we had our friend Rattle and Roll, who uh, Brian yes. Hernandez rode him in this race. Yeah, and he, he made up ground. Uh, but I actually, I did not like him in this race. I, I did not like him running at Gulfstream in this spot. I don't I, think it favors his running style at all. Um, I, horses with this style do not do well at Gulfstream. It's well known. I think it's a toss race for him. I think if he should target the Bluegrass or the mm-hmm. Arkansas yep. Derby, and I, I think he could come back and do very well. But the, the one thing about Rattle and Roll that's exposed is he is 
a one style horse. He does, he does, he is a closer. He's, he's not going to be up front early. That's just not going to happen for him. So that's something to consider. If he does make the derby field, you're taking a chance on a horse that's pace dependent. I have a, qu- a couple quick questions about the, uh, the, uh, Fountain of Youth SEC, if that's okay. Go ahead. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, well, one thing about Rattle and Roll, I will say this. I'm, I'm with you. I didn't like him in this spot. And he didn't run that much. He was hampered slightly by the spill, but I don't think it was going to make an outcome in the race. One thing I'll say about him, if he does get to Churchill, if he does get the points, that horse can run through traffic. That horse uh, yeah. has it can definitely navigate through traffic, and that could be a very vital thing come Derby Day. Uh, if if he doesn't prove, if he matures as a three-year-old, that's one one item. Again, I didn't like him down there, but I'm not giving up on the horse just. I'm not giving up on all, any of McPeak's horses just yet. Uh, secondly, you had mentioned how the spill can alter some of the horses in the in the back, in the back of the pack, who uh, had avoid the horses due to trouble. Sometimes a spill can actually exacerbate how well the horses up front ran, right, because they right. can benefit from that trouble behind them. I don't know if that's the case in this race. I think simplification was the best horse in the race. Uh, but sometimes you can, it can be magnified how far behind they finish, but also can magnify how far ahead uh, the horses run, and that could have been a case in this spot. And I would just like to add a horse we didn't mention. The horse that's gotten a lot of hype this, a lot of talk this week for the wrong reason. In due time, yes, right. everybody knows about Paco Lopez, but we have a tendency to forget how well this horse has progressed down at Florida. And that horse was loaded on the turn. It just said Paco, and we had all the issues with that. Kind of overshadowed the performance. I didn't do uh, time ran. Uh, he had to wait for room and he kind of came again a second time. Simplification was always gone. I don't know if that's a mile and a quarter horse, but what do you think about in due time? Yes. And, and I agree with you on that. I, I had a hard time. I, I've watched the replay. It's hard to stomach, but when, once you know everybody's okay, you can watch. Yes. But I, I watched the replay as hard as it was. Um, and I had a, tr- I had trouble gauging, like you said. I just, I could not pin down my thoughts on in due time. In his previous races, he's done very well. He's got that stalking style. That, got a that, one-turn mile kind of feel to him, too. A one-turn mile kind of horse, maybe. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree totally. And and th- this was a chance, I think, for him to show, you know, has he progressed? What what kind of talent could he be? But because of what happened, honestly, I, I cannot gauge in due time. I know Kelly Breen thinks the world of this horse. And after the race, he said, even with all the trouble, he, he thinks it was a fantastic race. I, I personally cannot gauge what what to think about in due time yet because it was just too difficult. He, he was coming full of run, but then, you know, who can say what, what with the other horses having to go through what they mm-hmm. went through, how that affects it. And you another horse, too, that, that we can't forget about is White Abario, oh, who yeah. is waiting for the Florida Derby. He's training lights out. And this horse, I, I think he's phenomenal. I, I think that horse is phenomenal. I, I think he's a legitimate threat to come back and win the Florida Derby. And, look, they may have been smart to bypass this race with everything that happened. They stayed out of the fray. Yeah. And if he comes back fresh in this race, I, I think he's dangerous. Can Safi, can Safi win a race in Kentucky? Can he win a race of that? Na- you think, with a, you know, he, he's got a pretty strong hand, but can he go north and get it done? Yeah, that's the question. When he goes outside of Florida, yeah, the, the percentages drop. That's for sure. Uh, it, it, I think that White, a horse like White Barrio would carry any trainer. I, I really I think do. So. I, I, I think agree. So. Yeah, ahead, JJ White White Barrio caught my eye winning the Holy Bull. 
like the day of the race or, or the day before the race, we heard that he was sick uh, in the in the week leading up to the race. He only had maybe one or two workouts. That's uh, and, and he was phenomenal winning the Holy Bull. I think this horse really has a bright future. Uh, looking forward, to, yeah, I think they were, uh, I think they were geniuses to to skip the Fountain of Youth just to get the bounce out of the way and get you right. know and and he'll have a, a a long break leading up to the Florida Derby. I think uh, this is going to work out perfect for 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 that camp. Um, I think it's interesting too. This this is another son of race day. I, was JJ it was Barber Road that's uh, also by Race Day. Is that correct? Uh, let me look here. I, I think Barber Road. Let me look or is it Ethereal Road was by Race Day? Let's see here. Let me look at my notes. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. I had a brain moon. Yeah, Barber Road is by Race Bar- Day. You're right. Barber yeah. Road is by Race Day. You know, it's almost laughable. Here's another sire. Uh, race Day stood at Spinthrift Farm, and they've already given up on him. And he's standing in South Korea now, but he's got two Kentucky Derby prospects. So that's so funny. But I think White Barrio is uh, one to watch. Uh, Definitely another horse. uh, Allen loves this horse. Uh, I think he wants to basically empty his uh, 401k on this horse. Mo Donegal. (laughs) (laughs) Not to win. Not to win. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted this horse. I thought you, yeah, you said he was a lock to win the Triple Crown. I don't uh, think I ever said that. The Triumph and and next year's Dubai World Cup. You want to get a parlay going there on that horse. But, uh, Mo Donegal, I, I, he's he scratched out of the fountain of youth again. Probably a wise decision. Uh, where does yeah. he show up next? Is is he a Wood Memorial horse too? Yeah, that's last we heard. It was possibly the Wood Memorial. The Wood Memorial's getting very salty, isn't it? <laughs> it's becoming right. quite quite the race with with all these prospects. Uh, yeah, everybody's waiting for the return of Mo Donegal, especially after the buzz with that that gallop out after the Holy Bull, which was pretty tremendous. And uh, I, I heard a it's interesting. I heard an interview with the Donegal team on, on uh, horse, horse racing radio uh, that he, they, they went into that race knowing that pretty much knowing he, he probably wasn't going to win. Uh, the whole purpose of, of that race was a setup. Uh, they said yeah. his pace, his style, they said he's, he's, we, we would be surprised if he won basically was what they were trying to tell us. And I, I think it sets him up perfectly for where he goes next. If he goes to the wood Memorial, he, he should be the favorite. Yeah. I think that's the perfect spot for him. Uh, Not really. too. But uh, we want to talk about the uh, the Tampa Bay Derby as well. And that's this Saturday. It's led by Classic Causeway, who won the Sam Davis wire to wire. There's some other horses that are interesting. A giant game from the Romans Barn. Uh, the horse looked like he could be anything last fall when he was uh, third in the Brewers Cup Juvenile. Although that race has come back, uh, you know. Is a almost a negative key race. It seems uh, Major General's in there. There's a there's a a couple of horses uh, spin wheel from Rusty Arnold. I'm slightly interested in that horse. I think that horse has got some potential. Uh, any thoughts on the uh, the Tampa Bay Derby coming coming up this Saturday? Yeah, th- this is a very interesting race, and it could be a key race because I, I think Classic Causeway is is legitimate. I mean, he's he's. Is it a Forbidden Kingdom situation, though? Is he the type who has to lead? Now, he hasn't had as, as much the gate issues, and, and, and you know, I, I think he's probably got maybe even a little more upside than, than Forbidden Kingdom because of what he's faced so far. So we'll have to see. He, he was challenged by Little Vic. He, he, they, Little Vic put the pressure on him in, in that Sam F. Davis, and, and he fended it off and still finished. 
uh, people who were there said when he came back to the winner's circle, he was not tired. So I think this is going to be a very interesting challenge for Classic Causeway because even if he's pressured on the front end, that's a sign of a really good horse when they can shake off the pressure and keep going. Uh, we've also got Belgrade here, who's two for two. I think that's an interesting horse in this race. A uh, giant game. We got to see if he can rebound from that Holy Bull effort on a different type of track. Was it just a track that he didn't like? Can he come back from that? Um, you've got the money supply for Chad, who was an impressive maiden winner. He won a 109.71. Uh, that, that's, that, that's a very interesting move that Chad is making by putting him in this race so, so quickly off that maiden win. So yeah, this is a, this is a very interesting race. Strike hard. Uh, who, who rallied to finish fourth. He could play a role as well. He had a bad start. So I, I think this could be a key race. Um, it's more probably about determining classic causeway than anything else. Also and I on this. Something, something real quick about this, if that's okay. Uh, classic causeway is a horse I, who I thought looked visually impressive, uh, in the Sam F. Davis, obviously. But I will say one little asterisk. He jumped the gate that day and he, he had an amazing break. Yeah, he did. And he, may, yeah. he may need to replicate that break that, uh, this time. Once he broke that day, I knew it was, and it may just be because the horse is on, you know, is in classic shape, just maybe a great racehorse. But I thought he got the absolute perfect break. That may be something to watch. I mean, we'll see. And one horse that I think is forgotten in that field, a horse that I liked last year. Now it may not replicate as a three year old. But Major General may not be as classy as some of these other Derby contenders, but that horse is dead game and will not let a horse by. If Major, if you look Major General in the eye down the stretch, you better be, they better have the running shoes on to get by that horse. Now, horse may run up the track, may not be a case. I just remember, I think, I believe it was twice last year, horses came to him and he would not let them by. So I just want to make that a comment about Major General. Yes, I really like Major General in this race as well. I, I, I'm looking forward to see how he does here. I, I placed a, a future wager on him. I think it was pool one. Um, it was, he, he closed in, I think, 45 to one. Really? Yeah. Oh, pool one, he was, he was through the roof. And so I, I'm, I can't wait to see what he does. He's, I think he's 50 to one in the pool that's supposed to open this weekend. Now, obviously this race will go off while the pool is open. So if he does really well, that's going to drop like a rock. Yeah. But it, he was one I felt to get in on early. It, it just to, just in case he comes back as a major player, I agree with you. I think he might even be my pick in this race. Well, what's his morning line? Does anybody know? I haven't seen the. the yeah, they, they drew today. I don't know if they have a morning line out yet. Yeah, I've got I've got the entries up. They don't have the morning line up yet. Okay, I was curious. Also <laughs> on the the undercard of the Tampa Bay Derby card is uh, the return of Command Performance. In a maiden mm. race, this horse ran second in the Champagne, ran fourth in Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Oh yeah, for, for Fletcher, and he's uh, he's coming back, so you know he'll be one to nine. Not a good betting proposition by any stretch, but he'll be interested to see what he'll do. Uh, uh, I would guess uh, maybe we would see him uh, maybe go to the Bluegrass uh, or, or something like that after uh, after today or excuse me after Saturday's race if he wins, all goes well. Yeah, well, the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile so far has been a little. <laughs> yes, yeah, a been a little suspect. suspect. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about so, that. So, what about Secret Oath? Secret Oath, wow, what a star! You know, D Wayne, D Wayne wants to run in the in the Arkansas Derby. He wants to run her against the males. What I'm what I'm getting is that the the ownership group, though, I think they want to keep her with the Phillies. It was interesting, he said, after she demolished the honeybee field, he, he said, I want to see how the 
the rebel goes before I make my decision. And I was thinking after the rebel, he probably wanted to run to the entry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Seeing that. I, I, I mean, could she win the Arkansas Derby? What do you guys think? I, 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 yes. I, w- I mean, if I was her owner, I'd try it, but I'm not, you know? Yeah. What do you think, CC? I would. Well, she's already earned enough points to get in the Oaks. So that's not a big deal. And, you know, Lucas likes to, he likes to take a shot. And the way she, I mean, she was just ultra impressive when she won the honeybee stakes, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I, you know, she's got the pedigree for a mile and a quarter. She's by Airgate. Uh, was her mother, who was her mother off the top of my head? I can't think of it. It was a, it was Absolutely. a nice, Absolutely. yeah, for Bryland yeah. Farm and, and Lucas trained the mother. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. uh, if, if ridden correctly, I think she's got a shot at, at getting part of, uh, a, a, of a weak Arkansas Derby crop. So yeah, no no doubt about that. Uh, since we're talking about the, the Phillies now, let's switch gears. Talk about the Oaks. Uh, we're still waiting for Echo Zulu to make her return to the races since she won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. That's the champion two-year-old filly as well. The some of these uh, some of these preps have been been really disappointing. I think uh, the Rachel Alexandra fell apart. Uh, uh, a lot of the, the major contenders fell by the wayside there. Turner Loose won that one at big odds for Brad Cox. Uh, of course, Secret Oath is the one that we're all interested in. But, uh, uh, JJ, I know there's a, there's a Philly uh, on the other side of the world that won the UAE Oaks that you're interested in. Tell us, tell us about Shahama. Yeah, Shahama. So Shahama is a, kind of under the radar. She's a, a daughter of Munnings. She's an undefeated Dubai-based UAE Oaks winner. She's been moved to the barn of Todd Pletcher because they want to try to they want to run her in the in the Oaks. Now she has enough points because because of her UAE Oaks win. Uh, she's a half sister to Looking at Lucky and also Kenzai, who won the Dwyer, the Salvatore Mile. Uh, she started her racing career just in December and has already won four times. I think she's a legitimate threat, and not a lot of people are talking about her because. I think the news that she was being transferred came out when, um, you know, all the Baffert news was coming out. And, and so a lot of people didn't see this. They, they don't know. They're, they're looking now at the leaderboard and they're like, who is Shahama? Uh, I, I think she's a legitimate threat, especially when she gets into the barn of Pletcher. Pletcher is loaded for the Oaks. I, he has got so many good contenders. Uh, not just Shahama. He's also got Goddess of Fire, Nest, Classy Edition and Favor, all possibly making runs on the trail. So he's loaded, but Shahama is definitely one to watch. I think Nest is is one definitely to watch. And I would watch for Hidden Connection. Now, you talked about the, the Rachel Alexander. That was marred by the injury to the great LaCrete, who sadly suffered uh, an injury during that race. It was not life-threatening, thank goodness. But it, it did impede uh, Hidden Connection's run. And Hidden Connection ran great despite being impeded by that injury. I would watch for Hidden Connection to come back and do very well. And in th- this weekend is the only Derby, or excuse me, only Oaks future wager that will be offered. Hidden Connection right now is 50 to 1. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, Hidden Connection. That's, uh, what about the Echo Zulu? Uh, uh, when is she, uh, scheduled to make her return? Is she gonna, is it gonna be at Oakland or, or, or Fairgrounds? Yeah, we don't know yet. Um, I, I would be, I would tread cautiously with, with Echo Zulu because from the interviews I've heard with Steve, they are very adamant that they're not going to rush her. Now she's, she's had a lot of works. I think she's had five works so far. Uh, so she's getting close. She's getting close, but it's, it's, you know, 
difficult to determine what, what's going to come up next for her. So we don't know if she's going to make the Oaks or not. Um, he has not said at all what what race she would go in. My my guess would be fairgrounds. Yeah, now, the good news you know, for the Oaks, it's a little different animal than the Kentucky Derby. You don't necessarily need two preps or three preps or four preps. You can not, you can, you can come in on one, one race and, uh, and be fit enough to, to win at nine furlongs, I would think at Churchill. So I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm in the Echo Zulu camp just yet. So, um, well, JJ, I think we've, uh, we've covered everything, uh, coast to coast. This is, this is very informative. Uh, Alan, you got anything else for JJ or anything else you want to address or you want to criticize me or her or anything? <laughs> Is he even with us? Did, <laughs> uh, he's muted. He's muted. I see it. Uh oh. My dog was barking. I apologize. I was trying oh, to. Oh, okay. <laughs> but had that said, I can't envision a scenario where I would uh, criticize JJ. CC, I may not say the same about yourself. <laughs> are you, um, JJ? What do you think about the racing at Gulfstream this year? Do you think it's been good? Do you think the all weather is a hit? People think you think the turf racing has been a bit disappointing. As, you, as people know, I'm a turfway guy, but I do uh, catch Gulfstream on occasion. How do you feel about the racing at Gulfstream thus far this year? Well, I, I think the, the Tapeda has, has made a big difference for the track itself. As far as maintenance, they're not having as many issues. It relieved a lot of problems. Um, the, the flip side is the handicappers don't like this. <laughs> they, they are not liking this. Um, you're, you're getting races switched off to this and to that and turf to Tapeda. And, and when you have all these different variables, it, it can be very different, difficult for the handicappers. Uh, so, I, so I think from a handicapping standpoint, some people have been a little turned off by that. But I think as far as track safety, as far as the track being able to keep races going, keep race days, it's been a big benefit, obviously. Um, as far as talent, I, like I said, as far as the Triple Crown Trail, I, I think it's it's one of the stronger regions. Um, to me, the, the two-year-old racing the last year didn't seem as strong as it has been in normal years, and I did notice that. I, I didn't see as much, uh, as many buzz horses as we, as we normally see in a year. Um, and I don't know if that's because they're in other regions or if it's just that this is a down year. Maybe they're just saving their horses for the bigger purses down the line. Uh, Gulfstream's purse structure is abnormally, uh, smaller compared to some of the other regions, you know, like, well, Kentucky, for instance, and then New York. Where you have eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollar maiden races, Oaklawn too. Is it maybe it's a case of just trainers are just just biding their time? You know, if you don't have right. a derby horse, you can just bide your time and 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 when take down a a, a really big pot uh, at another track. Right, and also we you know we have to take into to measure also you know we're just coming out of all the COVID protocols, which really caused a lot of problems for shipping. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of jockeys and there were a lot of situations where jockeys couldn't travel because they had COVID or protocol. We're, we're just emerging from this now. And I think it's making a huge difference now that we're starting to see racing is actually getting back to normal just now because it, it really did affect it, the, the ability for things to be like the, the way they usually are. All right, JJ, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, I Uh-oh. hate to do this, but I'm very unprofessional, but. <laughs> Uh, give me, give me one horse, just to sum up, give me one horse 
that you're interested in, maybe just if you're playing the Kentucky Derby Future Wager, which is this weekend, and give me a long shot for the Derby that uh, may be flying under the radar. Mm, long shot flying under the radar. Well, I, I've, I've mentioned O-Captain several times. I would say O-Captain is, is a long shot to watch. AP Secret, those two coming out of Florida are to watch. I'd say Zandon. Uh, I think he could improve his, his, because of that race, a lot of people have hit Austin the towel on him when they shouldn't. Um, so I, I would, I would watch him. Um, I, I think I would keep an eye on, on Smile Happy too. And, um, we don't know yet about early voting. We, we don't know what we've got on our hands with early voting. So I think he's one to watch as well. Yeah, should be, uh, very exciting the next, uh, several weeks. Uh, of course, the Tampa Bay Derby is this weekend, and then there's a little break, and then you really get into the Derby preps. You've got the Louisiana Derby, UAE Derby, uh, the Florida Derby, Arkansas, Bluegrass, Jeff Ruby Stakes, Wood Memorial, Santa Anita Derbies. That, that's all going to be decided here by April 9th, which is uh, just 30 days away, so we're within 30 days. So it's going to be uh, – just tighten your seatbelt because it's going to be uh, be very exciting here coming up shortly. So, uh, But, J.J., uh, they should name a race for you at Gulfstream. They, they already have the Fountain of Youth. They should have a race called the Fountain of Information because that's exactly what it's been. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, you're our go-to for, uh, for when we need uh, insight because uh, – uh, Alan and I, and, and definitely Brandon, we tend to lose focus a lot. We, I, I oh, use, yeah. I can use a set of blinkers myself. <laughs> blinkers uh, on. Blinkers on for me. I don't know if it helped me run fast or not. But, uh, JJ, <laughs> we, we're certainly glad you, you took the time to, to join us, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll have you on real soon again. Yeah, great to be here, guys. I really appreciate it. The best time of the year is the most exciting time. You got that right. right. Okay, so we're going to sign off here. Uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, who's not with us, and, of course, J.J. Heisel, this is C.C. Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.